Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be together this morning. So, so good. And that rain outside is so nice. Don't mind us. We just have all of our things. (laughs) Uh, My name is Trey Jones, and this is my wife, Marcy Jones. For anyone that doesn't know us, and for anyone watching online, we haven't met you yet. Good morning. Um, Yeah, we're going to be speaking today. We're going to be sharing some of our story Um, Some of you know what's been going on, some of you don't. That's great. You're going to get filled in, and we're going to really just learn this morning what it means to live in hope as we wrap up 1 Peter 5, and what it means to live as a people of hope. Um, And I'll just tell you, we have a lot of emotions, because this is our life. (laughs) And um, (laughs) uh, worship was so good. I just was like, like, I just want to stay in worship and just cry before the Lord this morning, but we have the honor and privilege of speaking to you this morning. So I'm just going to just pray, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit that he would come and he would orchestrate something beautiful with our, our broken emotions, our, our words, our imperfect stories, and the testimony that's in progress in our lives. And so would you just, just pray with us, uh, you at home, just pray with us. Holy Spirit, We know that you're here, and we know that you want to do something today. Lord, we're not here to sing songs and to leave the same people that we were when we came in. Lord, this morning we ask that you would use broken vessels and us broken people this morning, Lord, to minister to one another, to learn a truth of who you are and to to experience a revelation from your word today to experience something new as we struggle together as the body of Christ, as we face trials and tribulations and suffering. Lord, I'm asking that hope would be established in our hearts and in our minds in the name of Jesus. Jesus, come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so, he's so wonderful, and he orchestrates our stories in ways that we can never imagine, and obviously we wouldn't, we wouldn't put together a story like this, but he's so good, and he's so faithful, and I'm so glad that we are actually getting to share from a place of experience, not just this like, oh yeah, I know, the scripture says that, but we actually get to live that out, so I'm excited that we Um, are here and sharing our stories. Like Trey said, I'm going to probably cry all the way through this um, because we're living it and it's so, it's such a beautiful experience, but it's so, so hard. And um, obviously we've been going through Peter and Peter talks a lot about suffering. And when you hear that word suffering, you're, I don't like the word suffering. Like it's not a good word. It's not a word that we use in our everyday life. We're going to suffer. Nobody likes to hear that. Um, but I think when Jason and Ellie opened and then um, going through this series, it really, it really established this hope because that's where we were. Our stories had already started, and it really um, solidified what God was doing in our lives. He was bringing about this hope that we just didn't hear about. We didn't just read about, but we lived. And um, so we want to share our story from that place, um, that we are people of hope and that we get to suffer because Christ suffered and <laughs> and we get to be like him. So we hope that in this, in our sharing of our story, it's going to be more story-like. I um, mean, Trey and I have never, like, done <laughs> this, this before. We've this only together. been married. <laughs> We've only been married two years, so, no, well, <laughs> so we may not share, like, in, like perfectly, but we're going to yeah. share, and so it's going to be fun. <laughs> It's definitely going to be fun. <laughs> um, I, I'm, we're gonna, I don't know why we use the word fun. I, it's, <laughs> there'll be tears and laughter. That's what we can, we can promise. From us. Maybe not from you, but from us. Um, I want to I just run you through um, the last couple months. We really started entering into a season of transition. Um, Marcy was pregnant. We are now a family of three. So just so you know where the story's going. 
Um, but how we got there was um, really interesting. So I'm going to use a lot of dates, a lot of little things. It's okay that you're not going to catch it all. This is just to give you some framework. So at the end of April, our apartment lease ended, and we packed up all our stuff in storage, and we left for the Bahamas on May 3rd. We visited friends and family. I'm actually from the Bahamas. We it's just Mar didn't go like, to, like, oh, it sounds great. Like, we went on vacation. I went home. It's true. Marcy went <laughs> home. Went I vacation. went on vacation. <laughs> it's really the sad truth. It's, uh, yeah, the most beautiful water in the world, and Marcy calls it home. We ate wonderful food. Um, while I was over there, I'd been in a process of interviewing for a new job, and I accepted a new position um, in my current employer. We were there for a few weeks. We came back, um, and we had a checkup for Marcy and for little baby Lewis. And um, our provider asked us to go see a specialist and to have a consult. On June 1st, I started my new position. On June 2nd, we saw our specialist and had an ultrasound and met a lot of medical people. And we met our doctor. He was very kind. He was caring and patient. And he expressed great concern for Marcy's health and for Lewis. And he admitted us to the hospital that very moment. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine going just for like a, yeah, we're just going to refer you. And now you're going to through this tunnel underground in the hospital, which is very creepy. <laughs> it was literally, I think from, we waited, I think longer than with the doctor was with us, right? Because doctors are super busy. And so you're sitting in the room, just like sitting there and we're like talking, but not really talking. The doctor comes in and he puts his hand on our shoulder and says, I'm really, really worried. And he's like, I think we need to admit you to the hospital right now. And then he said like a few other things. I don't even know what he said. And then he left. And then 15 minutes later, someone with a wheelchair showed up and was like, I'm here to take you. And we're like, oh, okay. And we, she gets in this weird little like, you know, it's not a wheelchair. It's like this special chair. And she gets in it. And I'm like, we just pick up our stuff and start following this guy. And we literally go down the, in an elevator, down into some tunnel. It was so weird. And we go up, and then we appear in the hospital, and... So there's an underground tunnel There's an the underground hospital, tunnel. It's so true. you guys know. <laughs> um, we were admitted for um, just some pre-indications of some pregnancy issues, and then uh, Lewis was in the eighth percentile, so he was really, really, really tiny um, and was not getting enough blood flow um, there. So they were really concerned, so they admitted us. We were in a daze. We were scared. We had no idea what was going on or what was ahead of us. We met our other doctor in the hospital who would be providing care for Marcy and Lewis, and he said, okay, well, you need to be ready to deliver this baby in 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> our due date was August 26th through September 2nd. This is June 2nd. So we're like, ah, no, I, we didn't have words. There were, there were no words. Um, and then we began a series of interventions for Marcy, for her body to try and slow um, the process, to just bias as much time as possible. And kind of each day as things went on, the doctor just said, okay, well, be ready. In the next 24 hours, we could just deliver. So we're like, okay, we're going to deliver a baby. We're going to have a baby. This is our first baby. This is not what we thought it was going to be. Um, then kind of the rest of the week, there was so many labs and medications, and Marcy couldn't eat and couldn't drink, and then she could, and then she couldn't. Um, I was trying to keep my job <laughs> and trying to figure that out. Lewis was trying to grow. The doctors were baffled at um, what Marcy's labs were saying. She was so critical, but she looked fine. All the doctors were like, wow, you look amazing. <laughs> she was like, thanks, then why am I here? And they just were baffled. Um, yeah, people would come in and be like, we heard about you. <laughs> and it was like, thanks? <laughs> Our nurses, not strangers, not Apparently random people. I was people. <laughs> some anomaly in the hospital. Everyone heard about me, about my labs. And a nurse came in, very reassuringly said, or not, maybe not reassuringly, she said, in all my 20 years of nursing, I've never seen a case like yours. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the thanks not to say to somebody. <laughs> During this time, the doctors uncovered um, some kidney issues that were appearing or presenting in Marcy, and it wasn't clear. They took special labs, and they even wanted to do a biopsy, but they really had no idea um, 
kind of how to go forward because she was still pregnant. Um, Saturday came, we'd been in the hospital a few days. We had a consult with a nephrologist, which is a renal or kidney doctor, um, and let us know that Marcy was on her way into kidney failure. And so we had some things to think about. We had to think through a couple things. Saturday afternoon, we'd kind of been in this medical daze. She'd been on medication that really knocked her out for about 48 hours. Um, and we really hadn't had some time to talk. And so Saturday, we got to talk about um, a lot of things, like a lot of important things. Dying. <laughs> like, like dying. Talk about death, right? <laughs> I don't mean to sound so morbid, but really, we did. And this reality that this life that we put so much of, I guess, our identity in, we put so much like weight in, is now coming to this, hey, your kidneys are failing. We don't, and I guess I just went straight to death in my mind. I don't know why, but it wasn't like I was dying. But I think that you realize that your body fails you. The thing that you put yeah. so much time and effort yeah. to maintain actually can fail you. And I was that person. I love health. I love exercise. I love taking care of my body. And it shouldn't fail me, right? And, and so we had this real, real conversation about, about life and death and, and how this isn't it for us. This was our five. We finally had this conversation after all the days of being in the hospital, like, oh, this isn't it for us. We have so much more hope. We have so much more oh, that actually awaits us. But I think we put it all in this. And I had so much, I, 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 I think I had so much questions, like, why would I be pregnant? Why would I be, there was a lot of things, like, why would I, yeah, what can I do? I can't help this baby. I can't do anything for this baby. And so I think there, we had that conversation that was so, needed and the Lord reminded me how this was a light momentary affliction he really did and he brought scripture to mind he brought so many um things over the years that I had or so many words and so many yeah just scriptures to mind at that point and I think it was so needed because when you're in the hospital you're not thinking oh let me open up my bible and do a bible study <laughs> You can't, I didn't even, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I didn't even know who I, I don't know. Everyone's like, you look great. I didn't, I, I didn't know what was really going on. And, and so you really have to um, have such a, you have to have history with the Lord. And it was so important that we had history. And so that Saturday, it was such a helpful conversation to ground us. Like wherever we're going from this point on, it's going to be in hope. We're going to move forward and we're going to be okay. I think that was the first, like in that time that I actually had a moment to say that this is going to be okay. Yeah. Or we're going to be okay no matter the outcome. Because the outcome was your kidneys were failing, your baby is small, and we don't know what the, who you are. We don't know why your body is doing this. Yeah. For me, that conversation was um, very grating. Um, I've told some of you, uh, you know, the Bible uses this beautiful picture of, you know, gold being refined in the fire. And I've used the picture that I'm a block of cheese and the situation is like a grater and it's just shredding. And that's, re that's, that's really what it felt like. Like mentally, I was like, this cannot, this, this can't be it. And for me, that conversation was really recognizing how little control you actually have. And when you're a Christian, how small you actually are, but that it's all about him and not you. And shifting into that perspective, it's not about what I can do for Marcy. I couldn't do anything. It's a horrible feeling and such a necessary one to realize that you are mortal, that you have so many limits, and to come to a place that God is infinite and that he can do anything. And so that was our Saturday. It was like our first couple hours we got to just spend together and just talk. And then a very long day awaited us the next day, Sunday, June 6th. Our doctor came in for our morning rounds and talked about how nothing had really changed. Marcy's labs were still considered medically critical, but made mention that maybe we'd be able to follow up in an outpatient clinic and that we might be able to go home in a few days. We were pumped. This was what we'd been praying for. Marcy's back was dying of being in a hospital bed. If you've ever been in a hospital bed, they are not the most luxurious comfort on the earth. ETW. <laughs> I haven't been in my, I hadn't been in my own bed for at this point now. Remember we moved out of our apartment in April. 
So now we're in June, and I'm in a hospital bed. She just bed. wanted her bed. I just wanted to be in my own bed at this point. She kept telling the nurses, I just really would like my bed. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be okay, you know? So we were pumped. We were so excited that I went out to get breakfast sandwiches and coffee from one of our favorite places. And while I was out, Marcy was getting ready for the day, and the nurse came in and said, hey, don't eat anything. You need to call the doctor as soon as you are done. So I arrived, I think within a few minutes of that, got back. You want to say something? Guys, I hadn't eaten. You heard this right. I had not had any food for like, it felt like years. And I made up my order at Big City. I said, I, I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to drink. Everything is like, and Trey comes with this order. Like he's already there when the doctor says, do not eat this food. And he says to call him. The food is sitting there to call him. I understand. In that moment, I really didn't understand how, anyway, how people could, like, just trade it all for food. She I was, was ready to Esau. give it. She was feeling it. <laughs> I was ready to, like, risk it all for that food. I just want you guys to know I almost did it. <laughs> so we, we, called, we called the doctor, and he said, um, I think you need to deliver today. He just left, guys. <laughs> he left and he said, you can do outpatient and we're going to try to get you to 32 weeks. At this point, I'm 27, 3, 27, 4, 20, I don't know. Yeah. For all, I don't understand numbers with gestational things. But anyway, I'm not 32 weeks and that's where he's trying to get me. And he said that I could possibly make it here. And then he calls. He left. <laughs> he went home. He actually was leaving his shift. He was, they work seven on, seven off. He was off. He had already handed us over to a new doctor, and he left. And then he called and said, <laughs> you're going to deliver today. That's, he didn't ask me. He said, you are. Yeah. You're going to deliver today. We, <laughs> yeah, we literally were speechless. So we're sitting, we're holding a phone, and it's just silent. And he goes, so go ahead and just talk this over. And I interrupted, and I was like, this is, this is not what you said. I think I said, this is a cur." I couldn't think of anything. I was like... That, this is not what you said. He was like, no, I've always said you need to be ready to deliver in 20, 48 hours. He, he kind of ran us back through our medical scenario, but we literally were like, we have breakfast and we're going to leave in a day or so from the hospital. And it was, it was shocking. And then he, we kind of talked for a minute. I think we maybe asked a few questions. It literally was probably only like two or three minutes. And then he said, well, your last dose of this specific medication was at 940, so you can deliver at 140. You talk and call me back. And I think we just cried. We laughed. I laughed. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's <laughs> She did. It felt like a big joke. Uh, it was it was wild. Um, we immediately we didn't know what to do, so we immediately called Emily Fortin. She's a nurse, and we had talked with her kind of about things. And so we called her. She just really encouraged us to trust our medical team and to pray. So we prayed. Um, after we got off the call, we prayed, and then we called our doctor back, and we said, "Okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna deliver." And then over the next couple hours. We met, I don't even know, so many doctors, so many people, all of the people who have important jobs to do, who told us lots of things. And in that moment, we just, we had, we didn't know what else to do. So we just said, okay, God, I remember praying like, Lord, we, we just have to trust you. Because we, we could, we could have, we could have not delivered. We could have just waited. We could have waited. That was an option. And, but really medically, we weren't on a trajectory of anything getting better. We were on the opposite trajectory of things getting worse. So we prayed. Um, and then I, it was like time flew by. We just sat in our room. People came and sat outside the hospital because, you know, you can't have visitors and sat with us. People came, a few people came in, a few people sat outside uh, and then it was time. So we went down into the pre-operation area where you have to sit and then more people come and talk to you and have to tell you all of the risks. Like, you know, one of the risks is that we might sever, you know, something and you could bleed out. And one of the things is you could die. And, one, and I'm like, and in my mind, I worked in the medical field. So I'm like, I know they legally have to say these things. Lord, <laughs> I know they're just saying these things. This is not a declaration, <laughs> like in my mind. And just, there's a lot of things. And 
Um, so we, we finally, we get wheeled into the OR and they have to take Marcy in first and the team has to prepare her and then I couldn't come in until after a few minutes and I'm sitting outside and there's just all of this laughter, like, like uproarious laughter. And I'm like, do they, do they know? Like how serious this there? And it's just like, it was about 10 minutes of them just, all I could hear was laughter. I couldn't hear what they're saying. I'm like, man, is someone telling jokes? Like what is going on? And I go in there and it's like, we went to a party and it was just, um, one of the most, one of the best moments actually. I'm going to talk. <laughs> it was like, I think they were talking about like their favorite restaurants and I walk in and the nurses are like, oh my gosh, this lady, I hope she's on our team. She's hilarious. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so funny. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm at the same time, I'm baffled by all of this joy and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna cut her open. And I'm just like, what in the world? And, you know, they have like this little spot that you can, like for me, I, there's just one spot I can stand. And there's like a nurse behind me and she's like telling me everything. And there's a nurse anesthetist or like the anesthesia person up at her head. And he's like talking to Marcy. And I think he went to the Bahamas one time. And I don't know, there were so many things happening. You know when someone's telling this from their, like, their thing and you're just like, what, what was happening? Because you're just laying there. We were in there. two different worlds. Marcy's just laying there and the, like, the anesthesiologist like rubbing her shoulder. He's like, okay, you're going to feel pain. She's like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. It really was a beautiful <laughs> and I'm hoping, experience. <laughs> and I'm hoping not to pass out because I'm like, because you know, they're like, you can, you can walk, you can stand up. And so I'm like, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I did, I couldn't decide. So I'm standing up and sitting down. There's this nurse telling me what's going to happen. They're like, okay, so, you know, if, if the baby's okay, you know, they'll rest him on mom for one minute and there'll be a countdown. Then they're going to do this, that. There's so many things that they do. And so at 4.58 p.m. on June 6th, Lewis Harvey Jones was born one pound, 14 ounces. And we have, we have a few photos. So you can pull up that first it's photo. That, it's not your typical look at the nice baby photo, but because he, he was so tiny. He was. <laughs> and you can't really see his face, but. <laughs> he, um, he, he did, he tried to cry and it was like, the smallest, cutest sound I think I've ever heard. This is him uh, four days later. Uh, we were too in shock to take pictures and all of those things. And um, let's go to the next photo. We'll just stay with some photos for a minute. So this is this How is my. How big my hands were, guys! <laughs> I was swollen. <laughs> uh, and so this is him. This was um, this was also four days later. We got to. They took off everything to give his face a break. And um, we actually have, I think I feel like I have 100 photos, but he smiled at us. And he made all these little faces. Um, he's very animated. He instantly has started wooing people over. He has the favor of the Lord on him, and he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he just sits there, and he's just adorable. You can go to the next picture. And so he had, um, yeah, little, you know, IVs, things, cords. This is like a little CPAP. Um, he really was doing really, really, really well. These and are I, all yeah, good things. I just want to pause in this moment and yeah. say, like, this is the kindness of the Lord. Yeah. Like, he was small, like under two pounds, and really just didn't have any big medical thing wrong with him. Like, it wasn't like we had any heart things, any, like, yeah. he was just premature. And that was really so kind of the Lord. I, I saw that as a kind thing from the Lord, um, that we, that nothing else was wrong. Like we didn't have to do all these big things with him. He just had to really grow. He was just super tiny. Yeah. Yeah. He really, he just passed um, a lot of his markers and he really just championed um, his health. Let's look at one. Uh, we have a couple more photos. Uh, this is, I think maybe the second or third time that we got to hold him. Um, just really, just so tiny, so tiny. When, when we were in the hospital, or when we met our specialist that first time, they actually moved her, uh, you know, so they said, hey, you're at 27 weeks, that's your gestation age. They moved her, they made her repeat that number again because of his, sm uh, his size and how small he was. But um, lines started coming out, he started growing, he tolerated his feeds. Um, let's look at another photo. You can see just a little bit more, um, 
little bit more fat on there. <laughs> a little bit more, just a little bit more. Uh, and let's look at, we have a few more. So go ahead, Cassie, let's show another one. This is one of our favorite outfits. <laughs> oh, that's him like recently. This is, this is recent. recent. <laughs> this is just this last week. Uh, we have one more, I think you can show it. Oh, we have two more. Yeah. This is also from this week. Just a very happy, joyous boy. We have one more from yesterday. Um, so. so that's Lewis. He, um, he has really just, yeah, been met with the favor of the Lord. There are nurses that just walk in. They're like, there's just something about him. And I'm like, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. He's just, he's meeting his markers super fast. The doctors and nurse practitioners who talk to us, you know, they try to address parents about their, you know, mental state, like, okay, this is going to be really hard. This is going to be really difficult. And, you know, this is going to be a long time. And we were just talking yesterday that yesterday someone was like, okay, well, you can bring your car seat in and bring your bottles in. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to get him ready. And I'm like, he, wait, he's coming home. <laughs> like, you know, like you, we've just prepared ourselves for this kind of end of August time frame, and um, but he's still he's still in the NICU. He's doing really really well, and it's just day by day what he can do, what he can tolerate. And um, so we left the hospital a few days after he was born, um, with the doctors still really at a mystery of what was going on with Marcy. They did a biopsy of her kidneys. We had to wait for results to come back and. Um, they are, we're still kind of in this phase of waiting in the postpartum, um, for bodies to heal. Uh, but they believe that she has an autoimmune kidney disorder. Um, it's called, I don't even know, I can't think of it, IgA nephropathy. Um, and our, our doctor is just baffled by it. Um, she's never seen anything like this. She's never seen it. The way that it has possessed, she's seen this disease before. It's and her, to borrow her words, it's one of the most common kidney disorders in the world. And most people just never know they have it. And she, so she's baffled by how it's presented, how it came on, and just really treatment. Um, it's, it's really limited. It's really limited as far as what we can do. And um, so we left the hospital kind of going, thank you, Lord. We are out of the hospital and then entering into now what? How do, you, how do you go from here? How do you live on medication for Marcy that makes her feel bad, that causes her physical body to swell, that um, really just almost feels like an attack in and of itself? Um, and so that now we want to really just dive into living when you're suffering, living in hope when you don't know what's going to happen from moment to moment. And I found a definition that I really love for suffering. I think that's helpful for us. It says to feel or to bear with what is painful, disagreeable, or distressing, either to body or mind. So when I talk about suffering, we have all different um, variances of suffering, right, or degrees of suffering. So a lot of people, we like to compare our suffering, like, well, I'm not as bad as you, or that's not as bad, but we all suffer. Like, it could be the smallest thing. Your washing machine breaks down. That's the suffering for you. That's some sort of something that's disagreeable to you. So when we talk about suffering, we all suffer, but I think the Bible, I think we have this misconception somehow. So I, I, I really want us to hone into, you know, why we suffer, not or or the the purpose of suffering, and I think we have a, a a very wrong view. I had a very wrong view of suffering. I I didn't think that I should. Not I didn't think I should suffer, but I did. We do all the things to avoid suffering. Like we do every possible thing in our life to not suffer. The moment I feel a pain, I just I I'm like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to get rid of this thing? And so we're constantly looking for the easy way to not suffer. And I think we spend our lives doing that. Not that that's bad, but we do that a lot. And so when it comes time for us to actually suffer, I think that's why we struggle. And, and we struggle with the Lord too. And, and the Bible actually talks so much about suffering. It says, and I love, um, I love there's so many scriptures that talk about it too, to count a joy when you face trials, yeah. to actually be excited to, to be excited when you find out you have this, auto, this aggressive autoimmune disease. Yeah. To be excited when your child is going to spend months in the NICU. 
or not excited, but to count it as joy, to see it as joy, not to be like, wow, this is the best thing ever, but to see it as something that the Lord can work in. What you do before suffering matters. What you're cultivating and growing in your life right now will be the fruit that you harvest when you suffer. What are you cultivating? What are you cultivating in your relationship with the Lord? What are you cultivating in relationship with people? What are you cultivating in the body of Christ? For us, that was the big one that, that really helped us. Like, like I said, when I was in the hospital, there was no time to dive into how to suffer well, how to, how I did, to get I did the Google that, but I, I did Google it. How to, how to be healed quickly. And, you know, like, Lord, give me all the scriptures for healing right now. You know, but, but it was those times that I spent with the Lord. It was the days before, actually, I remember the Lord um, took me to Mark 6, and I was, sorry, Mark 5, and I was there for a while with the woman with the issue, and I couldn't understand why I was in this scripture with Jesus doing all these healings, and I needed that. I needed to be reminded that this is a God. That you suffer. She suffered for 12 years with this ailment, for 12 years, and, and it was those things that came to mind, the light momentary, momentary affliction, those scriptures that I, that I learned before that only the Lord satisfies us. Like these were the things that came to my mind and, and the relationships that I had before. I didn't get new friends. Right. I, no, I, didn't, I really can't make friends right now. I'm just like, I can't even be a friend. Like, <laughs> we're trying. In the NICU, we see other parents. We're like, there they are. Let's see if we can be friends. But, but we can't even make friends right now. So it's like, it's, it's the friendships that you cultivated before, the people that were in your life before that are going to be with you when you suffer, that are going to sit with you, that you can be honest with. You need those people. And if you don't have those people, you're going to suffer. You are going to suffer. You're going to, like, suffer horribly. And so you need friends to come, and you need, you need that. And again, like I said, what you do before you suffer really matters. I was distracted before I suffered. So I still could go on my Instagram and just numb myself because I did that before. So what you do before suffering, you will, you will take in that time. And so what are you doing now in your life? How are you cultivating relationship with the Lord now? Because we all are going to suffer. Yeah. Oh, you haven't heard that? <laughs> no, I'm just going to, this is what, what we, um, just Romans 5, 3 to 5, that says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our, our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. So a second thing that suffering does, it produces endurance. I remember one of those first nights coming home from the hospital, we wept like like every night we came home we wept like we were like children before the lord like we just couldn't understand where we were going where was where was this going like he was super tiny all the machines like we had to take like 10 minutes to just hold him the whole process we were sitting next to someone like the rooms were tiny everything that can go a like, different parent with a different child we were like sitting next to and you're trying to be quiet but you're also trying not to sob <laughs> and we couldn't see how this was going to end we couldn't see him getting bigger he was too he wasn't even 2 pounds yet and we couldn't see it we couldn't we couldn't and 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 i remember talking about endurance with Trey and i was like i can't believe we, it had been maybe a month at this point, and I was like, I feel so weak. I feel like I can't do this anymore. I can't go to the hospital anymore. I can't do this. And, and that's not endurance. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't have endurance before this. <laughs> and now this is where we're at. I mean, no, it's only been two months now. It's like two months, but this is what the Lord, he's been doing. He's developing endurance in us because it's about our character. It's about his love for us that he develops these things in us. Yeah, from that tearful conversation. Most of our conversations are tearful in this season and a lot of laughter, uh, mostly because she is so funny and has all the jokes. It's true. She's funnier than me. It's just true, guys. You all need to know this. Um, but, yeah, realizing the life that we get to live here in Boise, in the United States of America, where I can order something and it be delivered to my door within hours if it's food or supplies if Minutes. it's from Amazon. <laughs> it's, 
we, we just get used to insulating ourselves into a life, and that's not bad. It's not bad to establish your life. We, we're supposed to. We have been given domain and authority over our lives to establish it. And, but when suffering comes, you realize that you built up all these temporal things, and you realize that there's actually very little fruit spiritually coming out of your life. And it's a really just horrible feeling. It's really, it, it is. There's, I think we see these words like, we can rejoice. Yes, this is amazing. And that's not how it feels. I, I think we just put rejoice and we put this word happiness with it and we, we um, connotate it and we tie it to positive emotion. Rejoice is a verb. It's not an emotion. Rejoice is an action. And for me, for, for mine, I just, I just had to pour myself out in worship before the Lord to just say, this is what I got, Lord. I, ugly cry, ugly yell, ugly emotions, ugly God. I don't know if, I don't know if you're going to do this. Right? It, can, can we just be really real and vulnerable? Because I know, I know there's more than just us suffering in this room this morning. There's something eternal being birthed in our lives. There's something eternal. There's something spiritual growing in our lives. And it's more than just this moment. It's more than just a healing. It's more than just Lewis growing up. It's, it's more than that. It's eternal. And we have to get into this mindset. I think one of the things that suffering does is it makes you evaluate what's important to you, but it also, as Christians, it really makes you look to the kingdom. And I'll be really honest, one Sunday I was like, I can't go to church. I'm a leader in this house, okay? I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't go there. Because we're just going to sing some songs and greet each other and then hear a few verses and leave. And that's not bad. That's good. That's what church is for, the gathering. But the mindset I had, I was so like, church doesn't matter. We need to just go get people saved for the kingdom. We need to be praying 24-7. We need, right? I was, my mindset had shifted because I became so aware how unaware I was of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beauty, beautiful things about suffering. It, it really makes you aware of how, um, how much you need the Lord. Yeah. We really, really do need him. And I think before this, I, I did all the things. You know, you pray, you read your Bible, you do all the things. But you realize when you have nothing to give, nothing to offer. And that's something I struggle with. I feel like I always have something to give to the Lord. And, and now I have, I don't know, some days I have nothing. I just have, like, and the Lord has been bringing to my mind so much satisfaction, so much, like, in the word. Like, you satisfy me. Like, um, you satisfy me, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love. That's been one of the scriptures that I've been, not my healing, not Lewis getting bigger. No, you are the actual person that will satisfy me. Because I think we look, I'm looking to his healing. I'm looking to my healing to satisfy, to bring everything that I need into alignment. And that's not what brings us into alignment. It is the Lord. It is him that satisfies. Yeah. And I think suffering allows us. If we hadn't gone through this, I wouldn't have. Not that the Lord brings, in his kindness, brings things to you, right? So it's not like, oh, I would have not known these things about him. But I think this, in this season, I've learned so much about how he wants to satisfy, how he wants to draw near. How in the hardest moments, mm -hmm. you, can, you can say the worst things to him and he's okay. Yeah. And I think he loves that. We were reading in a book last night, and the author drew our, uh, the story back to Job and how Job spoke to God and how God allowed him to speak those words and to be included in Scripture. And I think sometimes we get really pious before the Lord. We're not very honest because we go, oh, I, I, he, the Lord is holy, so I can't, I can't say that. I can't ask that question. I, I look to our Savior and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and as he was on the cross, he asked a question. 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He quotes a psalm and asks the Lord a question and allows it to be included in Scripture. When we suffer, there's room for those questions. There's room for your grief. There's room for your pain. There's room for your doubt. It's just not where you're going to stay. There's absolute room. There's absolute allowance for that. But that's not where you're meant to stay. Our hope in suffering, we're just going to read a few scriptures, some of the ones that we read during our time. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. James 1, verse 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And this is one of my favorites that the Lord brought to mind. One day I was having extreme pain in the hospital, and, um, and a friend texted um, the scripture to me, and we read it, and, and it really was one of those sustaining ones. And it says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I'm about to do something, and this is another thing that the Lord spoke to us um, in one of our worship crying sessions, um, how he was making this desert, um, this rivers in the desert for us in this place that felt really dry for us. The Lord was bringing about the new rivers. And for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And this is who our God is. Yeah, yeah. This is the Lord that comes to us, that comes near to us, yeah. the God that loves us. In our suffering, when we have to ask, why is this happening? Why is this mo the most difficult thing that I have ever gone through happening? This is what the Lord is saying to us. I am making, I will create rivers and dry wastelands. It's so kind. He's so kind. One of the things in one of, throughout many of our conversations that we said to one another, that we confessed was that we don't want to go through this and be the same. We don't want to go through all of this and be the same. We want to be different. And for me, I think it really is that recognition that God is doing something inside of us that cannot be seen here on earth because it's an eternal glory. And in our worship cry time, we just begin to worship that you're bringing rivers in the desert. You're bringing rain to the parched places of our hearts and of our minds. Not just our suffering, but in every area, every area of brokenness every area where we still get distracted on our phones, every area where we're still looking to the world. We, we sat over lunch one day and just said, where is our hope? And realizing that we put hope, we, we know what we need is hope. Uh, sorry, my mind is getting a little jumbled. You have taste buds. Follow me. You have taste buds. 
your body can actually activate your taste buds to know what uh, minerals and vitamins that you need. So your body might be going, I need D, I need B3, I need... And then you eat a Cheeto. Why is that? Well, because our brain doesn't transmit the signal and speak to your conscience and say, you need vitamin D, 3B, you need to eat kale, broccoli, a glass of water, and please don't ever eat the Cheeto again. (laughs) What happens is we get a craving. The taste bud activates and we go, oh, Cheetos sound really good. I believe that all of humanity, as according to scripture says, that eternity has been written into their hearts. And we're looking for a hope. And in our search for hope, we find shopping, we find eating, we find social media, we find human validation, we find the fear of man, we find, list off your things. I do find Cheetos. <laughs> it's a personal vice sometimes. But what we're really looking for is a Savior who is looking to refine in us an eternal glory. I want to read our final passage out of 1 Peter. We're going to focus on verses 6 through 11. There's so much here. There's so much for you to receive from this single verse today. There's so much hope for you to have imparted to you today. There's so much instruction. Starting in verse 6, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Give all of your worries and your cares to God, for He cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, he will support, he will strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation all power to him forever amen so let it be so let it be church so let it be family of believers so let it be humble yourself under his mighty hand sounds easy doesn't it sounds awesome it's really hard humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor one of the things that we talked about was what if our what if Marcy's physical healing doesn't come what if it doesn't get answered How do we stand then? How do we stand then? How do we stand when your marriage is still on the rocks? How do we stand when your kids are not responding? How do we stand when we are in the midst of trauma and conflict? How do we respond when we're in the middle of a work crisis? What do we do when it doesn't come? right after the service. What do we do when it doesn't come tomorrow? What do we do? 
we have to continue to stand. Just in my own mind, I kind of had this thought that grace would somehow make it easier. That his grace would just, man, that day was so easy. (laughs) His grace. (laughs) Oh, my hope is in Jesus. That day was nothing. Hope is grit. Grace is grit. Endurance is grit. And it's not us going, we're going to take control. It's humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God and saying, God, you're the miracle working God. I've seen you do this before. I have seen what scripture says. And you can do it in me. You can do it in my life. And putting our faith there, faith is gritty. We make a lot of scriptural things look and sound really pretty. And actually, I think they're just not harder wherever you are today no matter your suffering no matter your trial you have hope and if your hope has been out of alignment if your hope has been in the answer for a while, my hope was in the answer. My hope was, okay, he's gonna heal her. He's gonna, we're, he's gonna heal her in this office and this doctor's gonna be saved. My hope ended there. My hope ended at the miracle. Our hope has to get beyond outside of the circumstance and has to go into our Redeemer. It has to go into our Savior. He's. He's still our Savior. What He did on the cross, the work is done and complete. And as we work out our salvation, as we work out the gritty, dark details, the mundane routines of having to wake up to your alarm and prepare food, and as we do the things that we have to do every day, let our hope be in Him. Can we stand together? Just take a moment, wherever you are, to just find where your hope has been. And a way you can do this, here's a really helpful scriptural way, is to say, Holy Spirit, show me where I'm out of alignment, where I've misplaced my hope. You can just ask Him. Just take stock of those things. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.